Yanni's uh, just moved to give me some elbow room for uh, preaching. <laughs> Let us uh, begin with a prayer. Just as John the Baptist was so humble in uh, the presence of Jesus, may we be humble and bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your greater glory our supreme concern. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, uh, Mark's gospel is full of action. It's a real action story. And uh, the, the first word in our Bible from the beginning of Genesis is in the beginning God created. And Mark echoes that at the beginning. He says uh, of his gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, according to the tradition of the church, um, Mark wrote down the stories of, of Jesus that Peter had told. And Mark wants to see Jesus as Peter himself experienced him, so that uh, he wants us to see Jesus as Peter himself experienced him, so that we can put our trust in Jesus as well. As we see Jesus as he really is, it will encourage us to believe and to pray. Now, the first witness that uh, Mark mentions uh, as to who Jesus is, was John the Baptist. John was not an establishment teacher, but a prophet like Elijah. The Old Testament prophets had pointed like signposts to the coming of the Savior, the coming of a great Savior. As we uh, drive along um, a motorway, we see lots of signs leading to the place where uh, we're wanting to go to. But when we come close to that place, there's a final sign that says, turn off here. This is it. This is the place you want. And that's what John the Baptist was. He was the final sign pointing the Jewish people to their Messiah. Their longings for a savior were about to be fulfilled. And John warned them to get ready, prepare yourselves by a true repentance for the coming of the king. John had a uniquely important calling within the Old Testament context. But he says about Jesus, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of the sandals of the one who is greater than I. What a humility that was. Actually, in the Jewish context, uh, the job of untying the straps of someone's sandals was thought to be too menial a task for a Jewish man. It was something a slave would do, or I hate to mention it, but a woman in their context. He knew, John the Baptist knew, that amongst those who would come to him in the wilderness would be God's chosen one. He knew that uh, from God, that he would recognize the savior when he saw the Holy Spirit come down uh, like a dove upon him. So John the Baptist is showing a true humility. He didn't promote himself. His job was not to be the savior, but his job was to point people to Jesus, 
And that's what John uh, the Baptist did. And that's what preachers are supposed to do today, to point people to Jesus, not to point people to themselves. The Jews from all over the towns and villages of, uh, came to the wilderness to hear John speaking. Why would people do that? Why would people leave their homes and go into the wilderness to hear a preacher? John wasn't a person with a big organization. The Jewish authorities of the Jerusalem temple and the leaders of the synagogue were suspicious of him. Why would people come? I can also ask the question, why are you tuned into Zoom this morning? Because it's, it's the same need that we have uh, that to know God and to draw close to God that people were responding to in the time of John the Baptist. There may have been many reasons why people came, but uh, human beings are part of the physical material world, uh, the creation of God, but we have also been created by God as spiritual creatures made in his own image. And we have that longing for relationship with God is part of our humanness. It's part of who we are as human beings. We're designed to live in relationship with God. So the people came because God's Holy Spirit was at work in their hearts. That's another reason why people came. The people were aware of their need. They were aware that they weren't living close to God. They were aware of their separation from God. It was a need that the temple in Jerusalem pointed to, but it didn't satisfy that need, which was a sad thing. And there was a spiritual hunger. Now, when it says that the, the whole of, uh, uh, of Judea and, uh, and Israel went out to John, and the, it doesn't mean that everyone went out. But those, uh, like we were speaking about last week, that remnant, those people that were hungry, those people that experienced their, their longing for God and, and realized that they hadn't got it, they hadn't received it, they came because they recognized their need of forgiveness. And they came from uh, all different kinds of people uh, in different uh, walks of life. They were the people that came out to John the Baptist, tradesmen, merchants, tax collectors, prostitutes, fishermen, shepherds, revolutionary zealots, farmers and soldiers and housewives. And they had this one thing in common. They were looking for peace with God and they realized that they didn't have it and they were coming uh, to find it. And John the Baptist welcomed everyone who uh, came repenting. He baptized them and taught them that their repentance should be sincere and should lead to a changed life. But he warned the insincere of the coming judgment. He did not welcome people who only wanted an outward ceremony. Well, true repentance has to be heartfelt and it leads to a changed life.
So Jesus uh, had come from God, as the Old Testament prophets had foretold. He was the Christ, the anointed one, come to bring good news. But he didn't wear a badge, I am the Messiah. He didn't shout aloud to people, look at me, I am the Messiah. When Jesus travelled down from Nazareth uh, to John the Baptist by the River Jordan, what the peak crowds would see was a young carpenter from Galilee, undistinguishable from the other young Jews in the crowd. And Jesus came to the River Jordan with all the other Jews who wanted a closer relationship with God. And he presented himself to be baptised by John the Baptist. Now, each person in that crowd needed forgiveness and they came confessing their sins. But our Lord Jesus had no blots separating him from God, no shadows between him and his father. He did not need forgiveness. Jesus came with the father's blessing and a message of good news. So why was he baptised? What was the importance of it for him and for us? We're not told directly whether John the Baptist recognised Jesus as his cousin or whether John's parents had told him the story of Mary and the special child called Jesus. But Matthew's Gospel hints that John the Baptist recognised Jesus before he agreed to baptise him. He looked at Jesus and said, no, it's you that should be baptising me. And that gives me the impression that John did recognise his, his uh, cousin and, uh, and was shocked that Jesus had come to be baptised. Well, Jesus was not baptised for forgiveness of sins, but he was baptised to identify with us in our situation as sinners He came to be our representative. He is our flesh and blood. He, he, he came to open the kingdom of heaven to all who would put their trust in him. And it was when uh, Jesus was coming out of the water after his baptism that John saw the Holy Spirit come down upon him like a dove. The Jewish people called Jesus the Messiah. They were looking forward to a Messiah and some of them recognised that Jesus was the Messiah. The Greek-speaking people called Jesus the Christ and that has come down to us. We'd use, we call him Lord Jesus Christ. And that also means, uh, that's from the Greek word for anointed and that means uh, Christ and Messiah both mean anointed and Israel's kings and um, priests were anointed with oil at the beginning of their ministry it was part of this ceremony of uh, ordaining a high priest to anoint them with oil same for a king and Jesus was anointed not with oil but by the Holy Spirit of God anointed for the work 
he came to do as our Saviour and King. He was, a voice from heaven confirmed it. You are my son. I love you. With you, I am well pleased. Except that uh, when God said it, it was more gra grammatically correct. Shall I say it again? <laughs> you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Don't be surprised if you've not heard a voice from heaven. There were a few other occasions when an audible voice was heard. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountaintop and Peter, James and John were there and saw it, they heard a voice from the cloud say, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. St. Paul, when he was on the way to Damascus, uh, had a vision of Christ and he heard an audible voice uh, from the sky. But it's not a common experience. So I just mentioned this. Some of my friends have heard God speak aloud to them, and that's great. But I never have. God has always managed to guide and teach me in other ways, and I'm happy with that. We should not be demanding certain experiences from God. I will believe in you if you speak to me from the clouds. I will believe in you if you do this or if you do that. We have to accept what God gives to us. We have to, we have to accept the way that God speaks to us. John the Baptist pointed people to God and he pointed people to Jesus as the greater one who will baptize us in the Holy Spirit. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of God's promises in the Old Testament. Isaiah said, uh, promised, uh, God, spoke God's words, I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet, gave these words of God, a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Joel the prophet uh, said, I will, uh, in, said uh, God's words, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And so these, these, these uh, promises of pouring out of God's own spirit on his people were well established in the Old Testament. And John is promising that the one who's coming, the Messiah, he is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the last turn off from the motorway. Here it is, and now it's available for you. This is what God has promised. This is his gift to you. When he, Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, he, he said, uh, you have to be born again. You have to be born again by God's spirit and brought into a new relationship with God by the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus came to invite people to share the life of God. He came to meet us at our point of need. Now, I'm really pleased to be able to say, because it, it, you, 
there's so much to learn about God and about the uh, about the the life, the new life that God offers us. There's this further opportunity to explore this for ourselves in the online alpha course, which is planned to start quite soon. The details of it are on the website under the events section, and you can find it there. The Holy Spirit brings those who come to faith in Jesus into that close relationship with God for which we were created in the beginning. He is the one who makes us alive to God. Shall we uh, uh, pray and thank God? Father God, we thank you that your spirit is at work in us. He is leading us to repentance and faith. May we see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen.